Hello, and welcome to the weekly worship podcast for Fuquay Arena United Methodist Church. We think it's important, not just that you listen today, but we would invite you to worship with us today. If you'd like to further engage your faith or the community around you and like to partner with us, uh, please visit our website, fvumc.org, for more information. Also, we'd love to hang out with you on a Sunday morning, whether that's live, online, or in person. Online on Sunday mornings on our website or Facebook page or YouTube channel, you can enjoy the venue with us, which is a worship service crafted for community online, or you can join our live in-person services online at 1010 for our contemporary, 1115 for our traditional. If you'd like to worship in person with us, we have worship at 9 o'clock and 1010 for our contemporary worship services and 1115 for our traditional worship. At the end of the day, we believe that when and where you worship is not nearly as important as that you worship. And so we're so glad to be with you today, worshiping together. Well, hey, everybody, it's great to be uh, together with you today. Uh, We're continuing in our series, Life in Boxes, Holding It All Together. And today we're going to be talking about family, family. Uh, Before I read the scripture, I want to offer a caveat. It's not always good to caveat, but this is a little bit of a rougher passage in scripture, I think. Uh, So I'd like to caveat with some good news. There's a guy in the fourth century named Gregory of Nazianzus. And he said that which he, Jesus, that which he did not assume, he has not healed or redeemed. Um, That which Jesus has not taken on, both fully human and fully divine, Jesus cannot heal. So um, the fact that Jesus is going to take on this very real, familiar, messy family moment in scripture is good news for us. Because if Jesus had a messy family and that's what he assumed, that's what he took on. The good news is that if our family is messy, he can heal it too. So. That's where we're headed. All right, here's uh, here's Matthew's version of this this moment. And uh, this may never have happened to you exactly, but my guess is if you're connected to any family in any way, you will recognize this. All right, Matthew's clean version of the story goes like this. While he was still speaking, Jesus, to the crowds, Jesus is speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers, Mark adds sisters, were standing outside wanting to speak with him. So someone told him, told Jesus, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But to the one who told him this, Jesus replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then pointing to his disciples who were sitting there in front of them, he said, here are my mother and my brothers and my sisters and my my mother and brother and sisters. Um, this moment uh, is is stark. It feels very rude. I don't want to say that Jesus was rude, but it certainly feels that way. Uh, I will put it this way. Um, If one of my kids had talked to to their mother like this, we would be outside having a conversation about it very quickly. There are plenty of older people in my life who use the term jerk a knot in your head. I don't know what that means, but I bet if I heard my kid say this to his or her mother, uh, I'd figure figure it out real quick. this is an awkward family moment, uh, and it's it's even more awkward than Matthew's version of it. Uh, Jesus' family has showed up to a place where Jesus is teaching because th- they are very concerned about him. Uh, Mark's version says that they thought Jesus has, quote, has gone out of his mind. He's in this itinerant ministry. He's healing people and casting out demons. He's walking around from place to place like He doesn't even have an apartment to stay in or anything. He's hanging out in Peter's house. That's where they're hanging out at the moment where the story takes place. Um, He's going toe-to-toe with like the most important dignitaries in town 
and they all think he's been possessed by evil spirits. Uh, that that's the power that he's using to to heal people, and like this isn't good. They've just dispatched a, a group full of leaders, like the A team of religious authorities from Jerusalem, is coming down to Capernaum where they are uh, to set him straight. And at that day and time, like a disobedient son. It would not be unheard of for the elders of the town to take him out to the edge of the town and stone him. And so Jesus's family has shown up to, maybe to protect him, but certainly to take him back home and to like talk some sense into him. And so here we have like 30-year-old adult Jesus in the middle of a sermon, right? He's like teaching this room full of people and his mom and brothers and sisters show up and they can't even get in. I mean, where Jesus is teaching, like a couple of nights ago when he was teaching, some people lowered a person through the roof to get him in because they couldn't get through the door. Jesus's family, they can't get through the door. And so in this like awkward game of telephone tag, they pass this word up to the front of the room. And this guy's like, hey, dude, your your mom's in the back. She says she needs to talk with you, <laughs> right? And and that's like, that's the context of this moment. Like you need to, you need to come outside right now. We got to talk. I've been in one fight in my life uh, and a kid much bigger than me kept picking on me, kept hitting me, uh, hitting me below the belt for like days. And uh, he lived in my neighborhood and I was at home um, at his home with him. And I don't know what came over me. I kind of blacked out for a little bit, but like all the animosity that had built up, I just gave it right back to him. I just hit him as he was coming down the steps. And I can remember like looking at him and looking at the front door and Looking at him as like bully of a kid writhing at the base of his stairs, <laughs> it just took off running. Like didn't even get my backpack, just ran. Um, and he starts running after me, and uh, I'm not quick, but I am fast. And so like I feel like if I could get up to speed, I could probably you know stay away from him. But it occurred to me that I was not running towards my house, and that eventually I was going to run out of energy. Um, and so I tried to like you know juke a little bit, see if I could throw him off. Uh, and then as he form tackled me. Uh, to the ground and all 46 pounds of my middle school self. Uh, I remembered that he was a starting lineman uh, on the football team. And so I, I assume a, an offensive lineman's not going to fall for my fancy footwork. Uh, and he form tackled me to the ground. I tried to play dead uh, for a little bit and that didn't work. So I did like I armadilloed, you know, just sort of curled up and he was just, he was wailing, just wailing away on me. And then he stopped. I don't know how long it was happening. It seemed like forever and not that much all at the same time. And the next thing I know, he just stopped completely. I looked up by the corner of my eye and I saw my mom in her station wagon parked in the middle of the road. And she said, get in the car now. And I feel like my mom, whose name is Mary, and Jesus's mom, whose name is Mary, had basically done the exact same thing. Jesus, get on the donkey. <laughs> Whatever it is, like we're going home and we're going to work this out. Um, it feels rude, uh, it feels hard and challenging this passage. Uh, and yet, uh, and yet maybe there's some good news in it. Uh, if Jesus's family was messy, uh, if Jesus's mom sometimes embarrassed him, uh, if Jesus's siblings and all their sibling rivalry thought he had lost his mind, uh, maybe in the mess of our families, uh, Jesus can redeem those if we let him in. I sometimes think that the mess of a family is actually the magic of a family. I don't want to get all the mess out of the way, uh, but that maybe even the mess, uh, the harder parts of it are, are redeemable if we let Jesus in. Well, we, in this series that we've been in, we've been talking about how when life gets chaotic, 
we tend to try to put our life in boxes, right? If we can organize different parts and pieces of our life into neat, tidy spaces, then we can pretend that we have control over it. But what we do to try and mitigate the chaos actually creates chaos in our life. And worse still, when we put God in a box and we put all other aspects of our life in other boxes, um, God, who desires to heal, to offer salvation to all parts of us, every aspect of us, um, we put that God in a box and we say that you can't have access to all these other places. We box God out. And we've been saying it this way, just easy to remember, that a boxed out God cannot transform a boxed in life. Jesus came to offer holistic salvation to us and an integrated life, holistic discipleship, following Jesus with all of us, uh, all as the whole aspect of us, um, is what we're called called to do. So what does that look like specifically for our family? That's kind of the question we're asking today. What does it look like to let God into our family box? I've got three words of challenge. Each probably could be moments like this in and of themselves. We could spend hours probably talking about them. Um, so I won't go into a great deal of depth, but I want to name them because I think uh, they have floated to the surface of what's most important in my life when it comes uh, to, to what it looks like uh, for me to let God into my family box, what it might look like for us to let God into ours. Uh, the first is this, um, you cannot give away what you do not have. You cannot give away what you do not have. Uh, so often, I see folks show up at church with kids, new kids, and they they show up, they want their kid to have a vital relationship with Jesus, a vital faith. They want them to know stories of God, that God loves them unconditionally, and, and we want those things too. Uh, but they show up and they're like, I don't know what to do. Can can you do this for me? Uh, and then they like, hand their kid off to the Sunday school teacher and they're like, best of luck. Um, and that's great. That's great. Uh, but what we know is that... Uh, on average, a committed family who's involved, invested, and connected at church, like a committed family, we will have on average every year about 40 hours of meaningful discipleship time with their child. Um, but that same family on average has 3,000 hours of meaningful opportunity and access to that kid's heart and life throughout the year. So if we, the church, and by that I don't mean me, the church, I mean we, the church, take our responsibility of caring for the kids in our community seriously, of discipling them, then the very best thing that we can do is actually disciple their parents. Um, and this is true, you know, not just for parents of kids. This is true for all of us who have families, right? Um, a lot of us I know are like in that sandwich generation where we're caring maybe for older kids and older parents. At the same time, we're kind of stuck in the middle of that sandwich. Like, what does it look like not just to be a spiritual leader in your family for your kids, but what does it look like to have to become a spiritual leader for your folks, uh, to shepherd them through the season of life that they're in, um, particularly when we get to that moment where we're helping people transition from this life into the life to come? You know, what does it look like for us to, to be spiritual leaders for them in that moment? And so whether you're, coaching cousins or supporting your siblings, like whatever your family looks like, and all of our families look so different and complex. Like all of us as followers of Jesus, we're called to be spiritual leaders in our families, but we cannot give what we do not have, what we do not have. Um, so do you have what you need to give to your family? Uh, you don't have to figure that out by yourself. Again, we've been talking lots of ways that we'd love to partner with you to help you in your own life of faith and discipleship. Um, coming up, parents, uh, caregivers, grandparents, people who are looking after kids in any capacity. Uh, we have a number of seminars coming up, just one-time shots. You can figure out what's most meaningful for you. Uh, we'd love to partner with you to figure that out. I did note that um, there's a, a session on November the 6th called Making the Most of the Holidays with My Preschooler. So whether you're trying to parent a two-year-old or whether you have an uncle who's coming to Thanksgiving meal who acts like a two-year-old, uh, maybe that session would be helpful for all of us uh, in some way.
So that's number one. Number two, um, if it's not a priority, you are saying it's not important. If it's not a priority, you're saying it's not important. And you may think, well, that's, of course, duh. Um, but in our life and in our work, we know that sometimes we attend to things that are urgent but not important before we intend to attend to things that are important but not urgent, right? We call this the tyranny of the urgent. Um, so much of a life of faith is caught rather than taught. It's not what we say. It's what people see in our lives. Like discipleship is an, is an imitatable thing. We, we learn about how to be disciples by imitating other people. And you've got plenty of people in your life from the small to the tall who are watching your life. And they're saying, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? And I think in particular in our families where we have so much time together uh, under the same roof uh, or in the same sort of experiences, extended family, like people are watching to see what's important to you. And if it's not a priority, you're communicating to them that it's not, it's not important. When you prioritize other things, even if you would say, well, this isn't as important, you know, maybe soccer isn't as important as spirituality. But when you prioritize sports over spirituality, you're communicating that one thing is more important than the other thing, even if that's not what you intend to communicate, right? Uh, if, it's, if it's not a priority, it's not important. I think um, coming through, you know, the last two, three years, we're in a place where like all of our habits kind of got tossed, uh, tossed in a you know, fruit basket turnover. Um, and we're in a place right now where I think we can really start asking the question, what is most important? And how do I commit to the things that are most important? How do I make a priority, the things that need to be priorities? Um, and so I would uh, maybe just ask the question, you know, the people that are watching you, what would they say by looking at your life uh, that you think is, is the most important uh, by what you've set as priorities? And then third and finally, uh, I would challenge us all to build a bigger family. And, and by this, I mean not so much how do we get God into our family box, but what does it look like for us to take our family out of the box. Really, that's what Jesus is doing in this passage that we've read, right? I mean, there's the the hard part of it to hear, who is my mother and my brothers, right? But there's also a positive part. He's expanding what the people that he was talking to thought about what a family was. And, and Jesus actually really did that all through his life. I mean, we came really to understand it more fully later in the New Testament uh, after Jesus's death and resurrection. But Jesus helped us think about God's family as bigger than just the family of Israel, right? Jesus is getting family outside of the box, grafting the rest of us into the family tree of God. Uh, what does it look like for us to get our own families outside of the box? I mean, I, family is important to me. And by that, I mean, my family that I live with is important to me and my parents and siblings, they are important to me. We want our kids to have those values for sure. But one of the things that made the, has made the biggest difference in our life is by creating what we call a, a family or friends that have access to our life and we have access to theirs. Friends like family. It's made a huge difference, Will, for my kids, in my marriage and in my faith. Um, and I don't think that this is just my story. I think it's the story of many others. Uh, sometimes I think we have friends, good friends that we like or love or spend some time with. But what does it look like to actually take that friendship to the next level, right? And to let them become a part of your family, to give them access to your interior space, whether that's the walls of your house or the kind of interior space of your, you know, your soul. Um, uh, my wife and I are having our 15th wedding anniversary this year in October. Uh, and uh, we were dating for like two, three years before that. Um, and surely over the course of those 18 years, we've we've had really like big moments, big conversations, but most of our relationship uh, is built on the many moments, right? Uh, the conversations about nothing in particular, 
where we just are sitting with each other. We're giving access and space to each other to be who we are. Uh, that's that's the same way that you make family with friends. You've got to give that sort of access. You know, I've heard it said, I think you've probably heard me say it before. You don't really know someone until you've shared a pound of salt with them. And we don't eat salt by the pound. We eat it one shake at a time. Uh, so it takes a lot of meals. It takes a lot of time. Uh, in fact, when we moved uh, to Fuquay in 2019, uh, we left the family that we've been building behind. Um, we're still friends. We're still family. We still have access. We just are, we don't see them as often as we would like to, or as much as we once did. Kind of like when you move out of your house, you still see your parents, maybe just not as often as you'd like to, or once did. Um, and we knew that part of what we we're going to have to do was begin the work of rebuilding a family here in Fuquay. Uh, and the pandemic made that super hard for us. Um, and I suspect that we're not in this, you know, not in a dissimilar boat for many of you. Many of you maybe have moved uh, to Fuquay. You're in a new place, a new town, uh, trying to make new relationships. Maybe you moved in the middle of the pandemic. Um, I keep reminding myself and we keep reminding each other that relationships take time. You can't rush relationships. If you're going to build a bigger family, uh, you've got to, you know, you got to build it. You got to take time to do that, to nurture it, to cultivate it, uh, to fail at it and to try again. Uh, but here's the benefit of it. My kids have adults in their life who are like parents, who share the same values that we share, who care for my kids like I care for my kids, who care about my kids like I care about my kids, or on some days, probably more. <laughs> like, uh, And one day, in the future, uh, God forbid, uh, my kids think I'm not cool anymore and they want to have hard conversations where they can't feel like they have those. They feel like they can't have those with me. Uh, they've got so many adults in their life that they can turn to who would drop anything at any moment to care for and to sit with them and help them process that. Uh, that I just can't, you can't buy that, right? You can't buy that. Um, I think in my marriage, uh, we have relationships of mutual accountability with other friends who are married. We're helping each other be better spouses. Uh, we're pressing each other into our marriage vows that we've taken. Um, and, and, you know, again, nothing's like super broken in any of our relationships. They're all fairly beautiful. Uh, but, you know, sometimes being married's hard. Um, and it's good to have people around you who can care for you and support for you, uh, offer support for you in those in those moments. And then finally, in my own life of faith, um, in a way that sometimes I can't have conversations with people who I live with every day in my house, uh, friends can say the hardest things with the greatest love. Um, and that's what it takes uh, to grow in your faith. And I'm so thankful for my friends who are like family who have said hard things with great love. Um, so uh, if I could really encourage anybody to do anything to develop their faith, it would be to build a bigger family. Uh, if I could encourage anyone to do anything to become better parents or better spouses, it would be build a bigger family. And we'd love always to partner with you in that if that's something that you'd like to do as well. So again, recap, three challenges. One, you cannot give what you do not have. So what do you need to give and how can you get it? How we can we partner with you to help you figure out what that is or how to get it? Uh, two, if it's not a priority, you're saying it's not important. What are you inadvertently communicating is not important because you've not set it as a priority in your life or for your family. And then third, build a bigger, more beautiful family. Like go turn friends into family um, and watch the goodness of God at work in that place. Uh, blessings on all of you and all of the craziness and the messiness of all of your families, whatever shape, size, or function they take, uh, because we know that that which Jesus uh, has assumed, Jesus can redeem. And so even in these hard passages of scripture, uh, we're grateful that the goodness of God is at work, even in the messiness of our families. So uh, blessings on your mess uh, this week. Again, it's been great to worship together with you today. If you would like to engage your faith or the community around you, we'd love to partner with you in that. You can visit our website, fvumc.org. 
to find out more information on what that looks like or to reach out to us. I'd like to extend another invitation for you to come and join us online or in person on Sunday mornings live. Uh, And while you're on our website, uh, again, if this is a regular place that you find spiritual sustenance, we'd love to partner with you as we serve our community here in the greater Fuquay Verena area. Um, FVUMC.org slash give would help you uh, join with us in all of the wonderful work that happens in and through this family of faith here at Fuquay Verena United Methodist Church. It's been great to worship together with you, and we look forward to doing it again soon.